0: I honestly believe that if we don't teach them how to think, think critically, and question things, that nothing is ever going to change. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always gotten. My feelings is it's a tool. It's a tool. And like any Tool in the world, it's only as good as you use it, and you can only use it if you understand the basic tenets of it. This is Maestro on the Mic, a podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life.
1: It is time for something new.
0: Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture, open your eyes, find your passion, and discover how movement unites us all.
1: Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro-fied.
0: Three, two, one.
1: Hello, friends. Maestro here bringing you another. Episode of my favorite podcast. We are switching it up today, and we have a guest episode. And this is like a super bonus guest episode because I've got someone from the audience. Oftentimes, I'm bringing on friends, colleagues, people that I hang out with in person, uh, and. After episode 439, and I were talking about Chat GPT, I was having a conversation in the DMs. Uh, and I speak with this young woman quite often. And she was like, Hey, you know, I'm a teacher and we're going back and forth. And I was like, Hey, would you be willing to come on the podcast and share your thoughts and ideas and experiences with this. Because for those of you who don't know, ChatGPT, it's here. It's not going anywhere. ChatGPT, uh, if you want to like dive deep into it, episode 439. But ChatGPT, short summary here, it's a chatbot that interacts in a way, in a conversational way. So you input a statement, you type a command, you ask a question, and it generates a response. You can get it to create things for you, summarize things for you, do things for you, which if you're listening around the edges, perhaps you're like, hey, what does that mean for school? Are people able to have their work done for them? And what does this mean for the learning process? And this was something that I brought up because I'm concerned about uh, schools just saying, hey, we're not going to use it at all. Like we're scared of this thing and we're going to block it. And Susan slid in the DMs and I was like, yo, you are dropping the fire. So maybe hold that so we can share it with everyone else. So a little uh, summary biography here. Uh, Susan, She's got her MA in communication studies and is a lecturer with continuing appointment in the merit writing program at the university of California Merced. That is a huge part there. Writing, writing program. That's a big thing. Uh, She's been teaching at the college level for almost 30 years and at UC Merced since 2006. The campus only opened in 2005, it's kind of a big deal. Almost get this number folks, 30 years of higher education instruction ranging from community college to university. She brings a unique perspective on education in general and how technology has impacted not only what we teach, and this is what I'm so excited about, but how we teach. Uh, To quote her, ChatGPT is the latest in these emerging technologies impacting the landscape of the writing classroom. One of the things that she sent over, I asked people that are going to come on, send a little blurb about themselves, and I, I loved this part here. Miller balances her time between the classroom and the gym. As a certified personal trainer focusing on women in education, the conversations about curriculum and pedagogy go hand in hand with weights, strength, and evolution. We cannot teach the same way we did in the 1950s, just like we cannot work out like we did in the 1980s. She's a bit of a wordsmith, folks. Bit of a wordsmith. Last, round well, it rounded out you. here. <laughs> Miller is a wife and mother of, and I love this, four grown and flown children, without further ado welcome to the show my new good friend susan miller susan welcome thank you for joining us well thank you very much this is quite the treat and the honor for me this is this is awesome and this chick is like hey we're going to figure out this tech cuz i'm i'm using a new system folks we switched over to riverside and there's some like you know headphone stuff we had a little bit of a moment beforehand, but here we are, everything's fixed, and we're going to talk today about ChatGPT. So before we go into ChatGPT, I know I gave them your your biography as per what you share with us, but I feel like you've got other things that you'd love to share or, or might fill in the blanks a little bit uh, regarding just your background and, and what you do, who you are.
0: Ooh, loaded question. I that, that's,
1: I did it on purpose. Give it to me.
0: Um. Well, I have, I have been teaching in higher education for almost 30 years, um, kind of fell into it backwards. I finished up my undergrad in information and communication sciences with an emphasis in organizational communication, partnered that with um, a minor in public relations, marketing and advertising. And at the ripe old age of 22, looking at graduation, I said, mm, I'm going to be Peter Pan. I don't want to deal with the real world. So I went to grad school and got my master's in human communication studies with an emphasis in um, political rhetoric. Wow. And well, you know, it was the 80s and politics was kind of emerging. There were a lot of um, classes that overlapped rhetoric and politics, and it all just kind of fell together. So um, coming out of school with that, I fell backwards into teaching interpersonal communication and small group communication at the local community college up in Northern California and fell in love with it. So when UC Merced was announced and started building, um, my own children were at a good age to move. And I looked at my husband and I said, it's time for me to go home. So I actually, I actually grew up here. I, um, where the campus is used to be the community golf course. So I tell my students very jokingly that if they find any golf balls with my name on them, they can have five extra points. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't happened yet, but nobody's dragged the lake. Um, So it's, it's, it's an interesting combination being, um, coming home after 20 some years and teaching at, um, it's a 21st century research university, the newest campus in the UC chain. Um, we are the only university in, um, or the university of California in the central valley, which is kind of pivotal to, what we're going to be talking about as far as the trajectory of pedagogy and curriculum and all that are, we are the only University of California in the Central Valley. Our student population is, um, I don't have the exact numbers because they keep changing, but we are over 50% of our students are first gen Wow, college students. Um a lot of them are non-native speakers. Okay. Um, so it, it it is very key, and that's that's part of why I, I in the, in my bio I said you can't te- we can't teach like we did in the 1950s or even the 1980s. The world has changed, and as an instructor, I feel that if we don't change with the world. We're doing a huge disservice, not only to our students, but to our communities. Speak on. I have questions, but can we <laughs> talk about this disservice? Let's go in that direction. Ab- absolutely. Um, a Part of what I focus on in my classroom, and I mostly teach first-year writing. So I'm getting these kids at 17, 18, 19 years old. For many of them, this is their first time away from home their first time away from family, their first time being encouraged to think for themselves. And I honestly believe that if we don't teach them how to think, think critically, and question things, that nothing is ever going to change. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always gotten. I would love to take credit for that, but I think it was (laughs) a line out of an episode of NCIS. (laughs) I can see see Dinozo talking to (laughs) the director.
1: I got a question for you in that. What has always been done? I would love for you to, we'll go into pedagogy and everything. I would love for you to break down, because you said, you know, the way that we taught in the 1950s is we we can't, and the way we work out in the 1980s, we can't be doing that now. What was the approach that when you first started teaching, what
0: was that? Um, Very much mimicry. Here is a compare and contrast essay. This is what makes it a compare and contrast essay. Here's an example of a compare and contrast essay. Now go write one, which is great because you're, you know, teaching them form and structure and genre, which are all very, very important. But does that allow them to come up with their own creative ideas or express themselves One of the emerging approaches, it's not really a pedagogy, it's more an approach um, that myself and some of my colleagues have started following is um, this concept, writing about writing. And it was developed by writing instructors across the country that at a conference were talking about what they see in the classroom and what's lacking. And one of the biggest things, especially for first gen college students, is their voice. Many of them have never been encouraged or or supported to come up with their own voice the what do you think and and it's you know proper english whatever that is is awesome and is great and if you can figure out where to put the commas and make sure your verb tense is great and all that that's awesome but if you don't have an idea if i can't figure out what your underlying message is it doesn't matter if the commas are in the right space
1: bad i just got chills cuz this is it speaks to a bigger there's a bigger underlying theme and importance here. And you were talking, you know, alluding to it earlier, but that question that you just said of what do you think, right? Where we understand we've heard this, find your voice. But when we start asking someone, what do you think? That starts tying into people feeling valued and having self-worth and identity. Like this is a way bigger, way, way, way bigger discussion. How was that received when you started doing the writing, uh, teaching writing about writing,
0: um, the the students love it. Oh, they me. it's 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 a mixture of um, fear because they've got freedom. Oh yeah, and excitement because they've got freedom. They're not being told. At least in my classes, I don't tell them what to write about. I let them pick their own topics. Because they're going to be more passionate if they're vested in it. So pick something that, yeah. Of course. Do you have people that are
1: ever like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm interested in.
0: Oh, yeah. What do we do? In fact, in my class, um, we just did this on Wednesday. Um, They've got, in this particular class, I have them write about a social issue. And they wow. have to come up with their social issues. So we do a round robin, and it's you know, what do you see in the world that you that makes you cringe? And you know, what I'm getting out of these students, what they are concerned about is just blows my mind. Uh, you know, there's the the usual climate change, poverty, health care, which is great because mm-hmm. then I I get them to question and think and look at things from a different perspective. But in the last three, four semesters, I would say probably about 50% of my female students, their social issue has something to do with the connection between mental illness and social media, wow. particularly the um, the fad diets and the push for... Um, body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's kind of fun. I like to sit back and I let them talk and talk and talk. And then it's like, okay, yeah. Maybe not follow that person. Have you tried following this one, this one, this one? Here's my list. Wow. Wow. You are in it. And they're aware they are so acutely aware of the this doesn't feel right. This information doesn't seem right. But I don't know how to go about processing it and disputing it or oh I love that. Researching it. I love so that. So I spend I spend a lot of time, you know, trust but verify. I love that. So you're leaning into now,
1: um not just critical thinking, but execution of that. And how do we actually then, we can think about it, but then how do what, how do we articulate this? How do we have discussions, dialogues around it? How do we go and get information around? This is all part yep. of your class.
0: How long is yes. this class? <laughs> uh, we meet twice a week for two hours. Each, each, for two 16 hours? weeks.
1: Yep. Wow. It's in person? Yep. And it came back after COVID. And so like everyone's like in the classroom, like normal classroom. Yes, ma'am. So, We're going to stay with this classroom, and it's this kind of school idea here. One of the things, and we spoke about this, that becomes problematic is when there is a defined outcome, a grade, and we put more emphasis on the grade, or the most emphasis on the grade, then yes, people are oftentimes um, compelled, they're driven to be like, well, I don't really care about the process because everyone just talks about the outcome. What's the grade? What's the grade? What's the grade? At the same time, we are in a schooling, in a school system or in academia and there are grades, maybe there aren't grades. How does this work? How does all that work with what you do?
0: I do a lot of reflective writing. Here's, here's the read, do this reading about this concept. Now, what do you think? What are your three main takeaways? Can you make the connection between this article and that article? So for, for me, that, that's what I wish I would have had yeah. as a student to guide me through figuring out the world because yeah. um, the outcomes are important and the grades are important. And yes, I get these, I'm going to pick on a particular major. Um, I, I get engineering students that tell me, I don't need to know how to write. I'll have a secretary. Yeah. I just chuckle. Wow. And it's like, okay, you think you're going to walk out of here and have a secretary wow. to proofread your stuff? God bless you. Wow.
1: Um,
0: wow. But it's, it's, <laughs> I, I focus on the process. All my papers are scaffolded. What does that so mean? So it's, um, so with this particular class, we'll just stick with this for clarity. Um, their first paper is a definition paper. They need to define what a social issue is, what their social issue is, how they're connected. They set the parameters for their research. And okay. then their next paper, they'll do the research and they'll do an Got annotated it. bibliography. Got it. So now your research is done. So then you build on that. And then the last paper is putting it all together. Got so it. we spend a lot of time working on the process. Got it. Uh, quick question there. The bibliography.
1: Where are the sources coming from? It's 2023. I have no idea what people coming. They're not going and getting like microfilm from the library.
0: Oh God, no! <laughs> like, they laugh. I tell them. I tell them stories about being at the library when it first opened with my roll of nickels and my roll of dimes and <laughs> praying nobody took the journal because I'm going to be there for a while. Um, we actually we are a 21st century research institution. Wow. Um, All our databases are digitized. Wow. They are databases. They have full access to them, even off campus through a VPN. Love it. They can find their articles, download them directly to their devices. There are even um, programs now, RefWorks, EasyBib, that you plug in the information Mm. and it will, well, it'll do a rough
1: it's a great start.
0: Yeah. It's a great start. They still have to go in and make sure it's in the yeah. proper format, but it'll at least start their great start. Work
1: cited page. Oh, yeah. It's a great start. Can you talk to me, because you've taught students that did use the library, yes, and you're <laughs> teaching students now that have databases online. Differences, problem, good, bad?
0: Um, I think the research I'm getting out of students now is better. Mm. Simply be, simply because of access. Those students that are, you know, their their window of productivity is from midnight to 3 AM, they mm. have access.
1: Remember those days. I can't do that anymore. Mm-mm. I never could. Oh, That <laughs> was me. I was just like, I'm awake. Oh, I do it now. No one's bothering me. And I'm like, I'll do it every now and again. <laughs> when I did the Chat GPT episode, I did it an all night, and I was like, that's when I'm at but then I'm yeah. like, the next three days dead, so.
0: No, no I, I, I will get up. My cl- my my first class starts at 7.30. I'm in my office by 6 a.m. Good morning. person, Because I can get more done between 6 and 7 in the morning than I can the rest of the day. That's fair. Those are your hours. So Susan,
1: it sounds to me like you are teaching these, these students. One, they're super fortunate to be in your class. I hope they realize that. But you're teaching them thinking, but also communication. And when you yes. were, when you were speaking earlier, you're speaking about the, your, your trajectory, your background, you spoke about, um, organizational communication.
0: What's that? Um, to put it in a nutshell, it is the communication end of a business degree. It is looking at um, a corporate structure or a business structure and what is the flow. And really, really funny, um, Jill Coleman just did a podcast not too long ago on her corporate structure mm-hmm. and her org chart. And I, I had to pull over. I was laughing so hard because it's like it took me right back to school. Love it. I could. I could I see the
1: chart. I love it. I can see it too because I just saw it last week at her <laughs> event. I actually saw it written out. <laughs> so I can see the chart. Absolutely. With so, that, Susan, because you said organizational communication. I'm sorry to cut you off. It's organizational yeah. communication and human communication and interpersonal communication. You got like degrees and stuff on all of this. What is all of this? Explain me. I just. I'm for my own knowledge.
0: Well. um, Organizational communication, as I just said, is is the business structure. So your your flow from your CEO to your COO, where does HR fit in and all that. Interpersonal communication is one-on-one. This is what we've got going right now. How do you talk and communicate to each other? And there is a huge difference between talking to someone and talking at oh, yeah. someone oh yeah, just like there is a difference between listening and hearing oh yes oh yes um so that's how do you teaching how do you um process and interact with mm-hmm. with a one-on-one situation and then small group is one to five or seven so your um like your mastermind mm-hmm, mm-hmm and and that. that and it's it's and communication and writing are two sides of the same coin this can it's you it's all in it's all in how how are you getting your message across that uh, i was going to ask if you could tease out because clearly uh, the
1: things we do folks the things we're interested in they they're not happenstance they're not coincidence and everything we've done we we build upon scaffolding if you will to borrow from susan's words how do you bring this in to what you're teaching today with the thinking and the communication side in your classes?
0: It's, it's all wrapped in together. The three, the three foundational elements of effective communication and I use effective rather than good because good is subjective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this. So if our goal is mm-hmm. to communicate effectively, either verbally or written, What do we need to pay attention to and how does that manifest within? So the first thing is the purpose. What is the purpose of this communication? Are you ranting? Are you venting? Are you asking for help? Are you talking just because you like the sound of your voice? Always. So purpose (laughs) is is a big thing. How is that purpose being communicated? Um, Who's your audience? Who are you communicating to? Is that the appropriate audience? Is that somebody or a group that needs to hear this? And then the last one is the mode. What avenue are you taking? Is is texting your mother, you're going to be late for dinner, the best way of doing that? My mind
1: is swirling. I'm like, where do I actually want to go in? I really want to compare and contrast with you because you've seen both sides. I know folks, this conversation is about chat GBT, but there's actually a bigger conversation here and about the evolution of teaching and uh, communication and the value of communication, the art of communication. And there's another discussion about self-worth and, and do I even th- want to say something? Cause I think that what I have to say is worthy of being heard or like, I should even say it. There's so much, so many things going on that Susan brings to the table. With the change that you have seen, the evolution, we'll say, of students that you have seen, are you seeing deficits in communication? Are we seeing, I'm going to put one question at a time. Have you seen deficits in communication that people would immediately be like, it's because of technology and people texting or being, I don't know, people like just blame technology. Have you seen things with that?
0: Yes and no. I've, I've seen deficits in verbal communication, students, pe- um, that age group, and my kids are that age group. So I, you know. <laughs> Breaking your headphones. The, the, the 27-year-old just made her own doctor's appointment. That's, That's huge. Deal. Picked up the phone and called. A
1: big deal. But that.
0: you know, I've, I've got students that are terrified to talk to people in person. But they communicate very effectively Mm -hmm. via text or Mm -hmm. via email.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, in that regard, Mm -hmm. I've seen that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's one key element why why face-to-face communication needs to be taught.
1: I love that. Do you do that? Because
0: this is a writing class, but are we doing that in your class? Um, we do in my in my class, and we do um, presentations across the board in all the writing classes. Um, but remarkably enough, we do not offer communication classes at my institution. What? Yeah. <laughs> it just never. What? Never got off. Um, I I have one. I proposed a a course. It is. Um, sitting in i think senate faculty curriculum the powers that be have to approve it yeah it's on somebody's desk um but yeah we're hoping to um start a communication major in the next two years susan talk to me about the um
1: overlap and the potential for skill acquisition, if someone comes in with the foundation of, I understand how to communicate written. I understand it's different verbally, but where, how do those two play together?
0: Um, it, if they can write it, they can speak it. And if you can speak it, you can write it. Okay, You just have to get out of your own way. Oh, that's big. That and is big and you you said it earlier it's self worth and and self validation if you've if you've spent your formative years in school being told to just sit quietly and do your work yeah. it doesn't exactly make you feel safe to talk in class Bad. susan if you had
1: a magic wand and you could wave the magic wand and education would be how whatever you want it to be, what would that look like? And we'll say education as it relates to writing, communication, written, spoken. We can put them all together. What would that look like? Ooh. What would the education system – maybe it wouldn't be a system because then that's a problem. I don't know.
0: I'm giving you it's, free reign. It would be – it would be taught – more fluidly, less rigidly, um, the the focus should be on the outcome, not the journey. Explain. What does that mean? Um, well, it's a silly example, but it's one I use with my students that seems to resonate. It's, uh, you know, I don't care how you get to Disneyland, just get there by this time or I'm not paying your way in. Got it. I don't take any of my students to Disneyland, believe me. <laughs> it, it's too far to drive.
1: So we're collecting golf balls, going to Disney. And when oh, you yeah, say we have- when you say the the outcome, you're not talking about a grade because people listening will be like, wait, wait, we just said not the outcome. You mean conveying the, the point there. What are you yeah, trying to say? The,
0: yeah. I, I'm saying right. it's effective skill acquisition that is transferable. The transferability of the skill. Love Writing it. is not a one and done adventure. You don't learn how to write a research paper on panda bears in fourth grade and you're done good forever, right? Yeah. I'm good. I mean the foundation may be, may be there, but you've got to be able to evolve that skill to write an academic paper or you know, the paper that, that meets the rhetorical situation that you're currently in. Ah,
1: makes sense. What's the outcome you're looking for? Can you deliver on that based on the skills that you've learned? Absolutely. And, and, and that you have acquired along the way. So the question then, since this is what we're, I brought you on to talk about is chat GPT. <laughs> Again, folks, for those of you, as a little reminder, if you haven't tried it out yet, ChatGPT, it is a chat bot. You, it's a website. You just like a, there's a blank field, singular field, and you can input a command. It can be a question. You can ask it to do something for you. And there's not... I haven't found... Actually, I have found. There, it will process up to a couple thousand uh, words. So I can put like a transcript in and say, hey, summarize the top 10 points for me from this. Uh, I could ask it to hey, summarize this book that I never read. Summarize the top 10 points of this book. Or I could say, come up with a title for this episode that's about X, Y, Z. You can use it for many, many things. The concern that folks have is that students, one of the concerns is that students will just use this for, let's say, all of their writing and the problems that could come from that. Where are you at, Susan, with your discussions around this?
0: And what, what is your school doing? Um, well, two, two different questions there. I'll tackle what, what am I, my thoughts and feelings and what am I doing? Um, I actually just did a, an entire lesson on chat GPT this week with all my students and some of them knew what it was. Some of them didn't. Wow. And I pulled it up and we played with it. I actually took, um, a big chunk of my syllabus And put it in there and summarize the top five points of this. And they were amazed at what came out of it. Um, I asked it to write, you know, 250 words on, I don't, I I don't even remember what the topic was, something. And they were amazed at that. And, and I just kind of let it sit. And a student, right, you know, kind of said, you know, that's all well and good, but, it's robotic. Boom. It sounds robotic. It it? Absolutely. So if you think that we're not going to know that you're doing this, you're wrong. Thanks. There's also um, software now, mm-hmm. yeah, to to identify it, yeah. which came out almost immediately after mm-hmm. Chat GPT. So that's out there. I I do have some colleagues that their first round of essays they had somebody, of course and it was very obvious so with that student's permission and then anonymity that was used as a teaching moment yeah this is what it looks like it takes the human out of it it takes the voice out of it yeah so and what my institution is doing they're still trying to come up with policies and procedures for it mm-hmm. so my views on this are my views, not necessarily my institution. Mm-hmm. Um, my feelings is, it's a tool. It's a tool, right. and like any tool in the world, totally, it's only as good as you use it, That's and it. you can only use it if you understand the basic tenets of it. So it's an instruct. It can be an instructional aid but it's not a replacement tool. No. Definitely not. Susan,
1: I want to interrupt because you said so many things and I'm like, but I want to know more. <laughs> cuz I don't have the words for this and I could have asked ChatGPT, but I don't know what it's going to give me. You said it doesn't have the voice, right? You you read it and you're like this is could be effective in terms of like what doing what I asked it to do cuz it's a robot, but there is no voice. There's, it's missing what I call like that human factor. Can you explain mm-hmm. to me, what is that? What is that human factor-ness voice?
0: Well, just like we, we all have our own speech patterns. We all, we all have our own inflection and tone of our voice that comes through in our writing and the words that we choose to use and how we put them together. Um, I'm notorious for grabbing song lyrics and lines from movies and TV shows and interspersing them. Hence the conformer be cast out, which is one of my favorites. Um, we all have that. That's our personality. Our personality is what makes our writing unique to us. That's what makes Patterson different from Tom Clancy. Now you know who I read. Um, You know they can tell the same story, but it's going to come across differently because it brings in their own unique perspectives and points of view. And our perspectives and our points of view are based on our prior experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That comes through in your writing. That comes through in your conversations. If you have. Chat GPT, write that. All that's missing. It's, it, it's it comes out as vanilla. Yeah. It's gone, and all of it. Yeah.
1: All of it. I love it. I, lo- I think that we're going to see a lot more discussions around what it actually means to be human because we have all these things being made and, and AI. And we understand, like, it doesn't – we may not have words for it. All of us may not have words for it because we're not all Susan. Uh, but we can feel it right it lacks that that feeling of being alive it's very flat it's it is algorithmic right where it feels like these things were plugged in in this order because it's effective and in the goal was convey this point cool it did that but the goal of sounding like a human and being able to sound like a human because you are bringing in your past experiences and not saying your past experiences but the way you express these things being influenced directly by your past experiences. How did you grow up? Like I grew up in a, a Latin house, right? So my mom is Puerto Rican. My dad is black. I grew up with my mom. So I've lived with my grandmother for a long time. Everyone speaks, they speak Spanish and it's Puerto Rican. So they speak quickly. When I speak, I speak very quickly. And when I'm writing things out, I tend to write more like that. The sentences tend to be a little bit longer. I can put commas and stuff in there, but I have noticed this as well when I look at the transcripts for things. And the way that I speak being directly influenced by my past experiences, and not me saying like, "Oh, I grew up in this house." It is the way it comes out, the the this the the inflection, the intonation, and yes, this is in speech, but that will carry over to written as well. And we see it's just missing; it's dead when you just get it from mm-hmm. ChatGPT because it doesn't exist. It doesn't have those those, not, at least not yet. It doesn't have those past experiences to to um, draw from. Do any of the students express? Uh, what is the word I want to, how I want to phrase this? Do any of the students express like sadness about the fact like, yeah, I could use that, but like, I missed the journey, right? Like, yeah, but like I could do that, but like, I.
0: Um, I don't know if they're there yet. Cause it's so new. Fair. But, um, you know, I played around with it in class and it's like, you know, generate um, well, for this first paper, they need to define what a social issue is. And it's a concept, not a word, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it's, you know, you could go to the dictionary and you could look up social and you could look up issue and you can piece together a definition that I've seen forever. Or let's try this. So I put it in mm-hmm. chat, GP. Yeah. Explain to me what a social issue is. And I got a very nice paragraph. And I told my students, you can't use this, but use it as a jumping off place. An idea generator. That's where I see the real value of this. Some of my colleagues would differ. They would rather their students come in during office hours and I'm having a problem with my paper. Can you help me? But these are not the same students that we had yes. 30 years ago.
1: Wow. Oh.
0: They don't talk to people. <laughs> that part. I go to office hours and I sit for two <laughs> hours part. and 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 play chordal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have this so I'm gonna say two points and then I have one of them is a question. This sounds like like evolved mimicry where it's like We can use it and don't write this exactly like this, right? So you said in the beginning, the way we used to teach was the way that things were taught mimicry. Here's the kind of essay. Here's the parts like do this. There's still value in that in saying, hey, this isn't because people you said earlier about that they were amazed by the outcome. And to me, the reason that they were amazed was because they intuitively understood this achieves the outcome. It conveys mm-hmm. the message and it does it succinctly. It does it in a way that maybe they don't love like the flowery nature of it, but like this completes the the problem there. So they can be amazed by that. So I think there's value in being like, hey, this thing creates the outcome we want. How can we do that? It's not just do that. How can we do that? Why did we do that? Why did it do that? What did it do that made it you know so effective at this? And then how can, how can we do that? Like, I I love this. I'm fascinated by this. But the question that I have with this is, you said the students we have now are not the same students we had 30 years ago because they don't like talking to people face-to-face. And I can get that. And certain times I'm like, oh, the doorbell rang. I'm not expecting a guest. I'm not going to the doorbell. (laughs) I don't know who's there. (laughs) But do you view that as a problem? And if so, what is the solution for this? A Um, solution.
0: I think it's a problem in the fact that we live in communities, we live in societies, and there's a certain element, a certain level of just manners, social norms, social graces that, um, we don't necessarily see, Mm -hmm. or they're not, um, Taught. I, I hate to say they're not taught because I think parents get a bad rap a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they're not, they're not as evident as they used that to be. And sense. part of that is because they're not out interacting in public. You know, I I grew up, you come home from school, you let yourself in, you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then you go out and you play until the streetlights come on. We were always outside yeah. interacting with people and the world got a lot scarier or yeah. more importantly, yeah. we became aware of how scary the world can be. I, like that I think reframe. the world's always been scary. Like we're reframe. just more aware of it. Um, so kids come home from school now and they come in, they lock the door and they're on their, they're on their tablet or they're in front of the TV. And, you know, and not to villainize any of that, because I do understand that for some people that's, that's the best they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I absolutely applaud that. But the kids don't get the interaction. They don't get being out in public. Yeah. And, and so that, that face-to-face yeah. element is. Totally. Totally. I, I, yes.
1: Yes. There, I think there's so many factors. I don't mean to be like, put it on you of like, what's the solution, right? There's so many factors that go into this. Like it is just, I talk about this in episode 439. It's just expensive to be alive. Like it's yeah. so expensive to be alive. And so, you know, going back to the parents' discussion, people doing the best they can, which means then certain things become certain ways. And this is the, the best that we can do. What I do like that you said, or I do think this kind of a solution or a positive. We'll say that. I see as something positive that you said earlier is if we have the ability to do this written, we can do it verbally. We could learn it, we can, you know, lean into that. And to me, part of that solution then is giving and it's gonna be at a younger age. Like I don't wanna say, oh, you got adults, you're too far gone, but it's just it's a lot hard, it's a lot easier if you do things anything when mm-hmm. you're younger. But to me, there's such an opportunity to help students at this younger age. And maybe it is that, yeah, it is written. It is texting. It is communicating in a different way, but still acquiring that skill that then, because the pendulum is going to go back the other way, right? You nailed it. I love your answer. It just felt so kind, Susan, that you weren't like, because we're supposed to. You're like, we live in community, All right, This is why this can be a problem. Like, this is humans. We are a social species. And to me, this, the pendulum will swing back the other way. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. go, it has to go too far. And then something will happen. And then it's like, oh, we saw it happening in COVID a bit when we were all forced to be apart. And then people were like, can I call though? Can I just speak to a person? Because that's great. Like we see. So I, I think it'll come back. But I think in terms of action items, doing what you have said and teaching writing about writing and that what is what do you think? Your idea matters. You matter from such a young age. And maybe it is only in one particular mode, but then we can learn how to use it in others. What do you think about that?
0: Well, that's one of the tenets, one of the the cornerstones of the writing about writing is the transferability of skills. I love that. You learn the foundation of, of writing. So it doesn't matter if you're writing your grocery list, your letter to Santa, or your lab report, you still have to know what is the purpose. Who is the audience? And how does that impact and affect what I say and how I say it? Oh. Sound good. If I'm writing my grocery list and I'm the one going to the store, I can write bread, milk, and eggs. If my son is going to the store for me, mm-hmm. I have to speci- <laughs> I, I I have to say what kind of milk, how much milk, where are the eggs. Because the audience is different. <laughs> it is.
1: You're right. It's a great example. <laughs> i I'm just imagining, like, I imagine. for whatever reason, your son is 6'4", in my mind. He's a giant guy, and he's walking around the supermarket looking, these
0: Well, <laughs> one, one is, the other one, one's 6'4", and he's a big guy. And wow, the like... other one is 5'11", and he looks like a baseball pitcher. Okay. He's,
1: he's lanky. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You got the gamut. <laughs> you got the gamut. What would you say, because you are a parent, what would you say to parents as they navigate this and communication and chat GPT and technology?
0: Any advice, any words? What are your thoughts? Uh, the, technology is here to stay. You can't fight it. Um, the best, the to me, the best that you can do is have open and honest conversations with your children about your expectations. And you know what? Work smart, not hard. Dude. If you know, I, I'm of a generation where, um, computers were brand new when I was in grad school. Yeah. I'm that old. Um, And we were told to turn off spell check. You could not use spell check. That's cheating. It's like, dude, I can't spell. Oh, right. (laughs) I'm going to use it. So you may as well, you know, just put part of it in there. Exactly. And, you know, but spell check, it'll only get you so far. Mm -hmm. You have to get close enough to the word for it to trigger. Exactly. So I think technology is here to stay. So let's get ahead of it and let's use it for good. Bad. And ward off the evil. Bad. Bad. I'm thinking before we wrap this up,
1: I, I do want to touch briefly on this bigger discussion. Like it is, none of the stuff that you do is happenstance is coincidence. And you said earlier, the fact that the, the type of students that you are working with, that is actually and the location of the university. This all matters in this discussion. And if we really strip away the layers, we come to this, bottom, this foundation here, foundational issue of self-worth. Is is it worth me saying something? Am I worth listening to? How do you communicate that with your students? How do you show them, make them feel,
0: make them believe, yes, you are? I... I do this assignment every year. It's my favorite one. At the beginning of the semester, I have a little scavenger hunt. They have to find my office, my physical office, and leave a post-it note with their favorite quote. I use those quotes as a quick write during class. And whoever's quote it is, and the questions on the quote are very easy. What do you think it means? And why do you think that? And we share. And I tell them, you know, there, there are no wrong answers. Mm -hmm. It's your interpretation and it's as valid as anybody else's. And invariably by the third week of doing these, they've all come to realize that they're not so different their ideas align quite a bit. So there's safety in saying this that I think other people already think. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I
1: think that, I love this discussion. I was really excited going into it because I was like, I know I'm going to get so much out of it Mm -hmm. and I'm always excited about, I'm also excited about uncovering certain things and kind of figuring things out because this is still very much like, I have feelings about it and I'm like, I know that what it, what it can do, but I also know that there's like, you know, downsides of things, but I'm like, there's a bigger issue at play besides like this technology that's come out and how it could change things and the fact that things are changing. And I love that. I think that this discussion for me is really getting at the heart of this in terms of, I believe that people cheat, quote unquote cheat, right? we will take away, we will strip away any kind of negative connotation there. People cheat when they care more about the outcome then than a fixed outcome, not a transferable outcome, a set outcome, like it's a zero-sum mm-hmm. game. You win, you lose, A or F. When they care more about the outcome than they do about the process. I do believe that the way academia is and the way that our society is, it just champions that. It's like, get the best grade, go to the best school, spend a million dollars, get the best job, be unhappy with your life. Like It just kind of keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. If we are to kind of just play into that, because I think humans, we do care about outcomes. I think that what is at the heart of this for me and why people wouldn't want to just use ChatGPT to replace is because they care about the outcome in this case. We do care about the outcome. And to me, the outcome that we care about the most or that what it ties into is is what I have to say worth listening to? When people feel that way, you don't want someone else saying it for you you want to say it maybe you'll get an mm-hmm. assist and you're like i need to refine this but you want to say it because you're like i want to get it out there in terms of the outcome but also the process of me getting it out because i understand the things that happen but if we don't think that what we have to say is important if we don't think we're worth listening to that outcome there we don't do it and i think that there you nailed it in the beginning of the students that you're teaching and even asking them, like, what do you like? What do you value? And like, they're like, I don't know what I like. I have never been asked. What do you think? I don't know. I've never been asked that. Like, to me, this is the bigger discussion that we're looking at, folks, and the discussion around that of like, are we able to have that discussion, right? Are people able to converse and be like, what do you think? What do you think? I, I love this. I love this, Susan. Like, my wheels are, are turning and spinning, and in terms of action items, Susan just gave you one, including people. When you include people and you have them do these things and you it, it allows them to see and feel, yeah, I do matter. I'm not that different. I am part of something. I, that's a big thing for humans. I am part of something. Maybe, just maybe, it's worth saying something. And we can start from there. Oh, that's so good, Susan. This is, this is so good. Where do you see things going with... Uh, if you had to project, right, because you... You said you were in grad school, computers just starting. You're teaching now, ChatGPT is here. Like You have seen quite an evolution of things. Where would you guess things are headed? How do you foresee that trajectory?
0: Um, I think things like ChatGPT will transition to more of an instructional aid than the replacement. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that the pendulum swings back a little bit more for um, teaching the basic foundations, yeah. foundational elements. Um, as, techno- as technology advances, so do chances of being hacked and mm-hmm. losing things. We had um, a situation right before finals week where our network went down. And students were trying to study for finals and finish papers, and the network was gone. So it's, you know, here's a piece of paper and a pencil. (laughs) You know, we'll old school it. Um, Thankfully, it was only down for a couple days, but, you know, it brings that up. Yeah. And circle back around to something you you said a few minutes ago about, you know, when we're so focused on the letter grade that we lose the process and people are afraid of chat GPT because, oh my gosh, they're going to cheat. You know, back in the early days, that's why people joined Greeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was always a filing Say cabinet it. in Say somebody's it. basement exactly. that had the papers. Yeah, I was already there. <laughs> yeah. And you know it. Anybody who wants to cheat bad enough is going to find a way. So it's, yeah. you know, don't don't cut everybody else off because one person did something. That's it. That's it. They're going to find it. Like, you it. They're going to
1: find a way regardless because they don't care about oh, yeah. that thing. They care about something else, and they they won't cheat at that. Maybe they won't cheat at the other thing. Maybe they will. I don't know the personality trait, but they, they're going to do it anyway. So to. Take away this tool. And I love that you keep using that as the word, because it is. It's exactly that, as a tool. I do not believe you'll get replaced by ChatGPT or AI, not yet anyway. You'll get replaced by somebody using ChatGPT yeah. <laughs> and AI. <laughs> it's very different. Very, very different. This is so, so, so good. Susan, I'm cognizant of the time and I got to pick up the little ones as well. Before I let you go, I ask all the guests one question, very simple question, and you can say none if you want or nothing. Uh, but the question is, Is there anything else that you would like to leave the people with?
0: Uh, You know, it's just be kind to people. Uh You don't know what somebody else is going through or has been through. And just take a breath. Count to 10. Multiple times if you need to. Or walk away. You have 100% control over your actions.
1: Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. And it ties into, I wrote them down. Those three parts of effective communication. Purpose, audience, mode. That yep. big one, the second one, audience, you don't actually know. because You don't know what they're going through. You don't know where things are at. But you know what will always be received well? Just be kind. Just be kind. Just be kind. I love that. I love that. Susan, this has been amazing. It's always refreshing to speak, communicate with different people and new people. And uh, I love the, using the technology side of it, right? Like I get to be on the camera. You're where you are. I'm up over here. And we get to have such an awesome discussion and then share it with what I like to think is the world. It's not, but I like to think of it as a world. Uh, are you open to folks connecting with you on Instagram? Sure. You want to share that with us? And we'll put in the show notes as well.
0: No. What is my
1: Instagram
0: handle? (laughs) I think it's it's... got some
1: letters, but they're not your full name.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh no, that's my my email.
1: (laughs) uh, That's how
0: bad I am. This is how bad I am with technology.
1: This makes me happy.
0: Oh God. That's too funny. It's like Sue Flyer. Yeah, right. It's at S U E F L Y R. Amazing. I was like, I know and that's me. a, that's a nod to my happy place. I'm a swimmer by trade. What is I was coming? a butterflyer. Fly, did you see the I confusion? swam. Fly,
1: yeah. I was like, but that's flying, uh, Susan. Audience. It's not swimming.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I swam. I'm a, I'm a butterflyer. I swam butterfly. Damn, so that that is, that's all right. Muscles. Flyer. Got it.
1: You can connect with Sue over at over on Instagram at Sue Flyer F L Y R. We'll put that in the show notes. Susan, thank you. This was incredible. It got the wheels turning and thinking about the bigger questions and things that I didn't know if they were going to come up. But you know, after speaking to you for five minutes, I was like not surprised that they came up. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for reaching out on Instagram. You're always so kind there. Uh, and just thank you for all that you do. Like, this is, this is a big deal. So oh, thank, well, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. This is awesome. You're so welcome. You folks listening, thank you. We know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly appreciative. Today's ask, today's call to action. If you like this episode, if you love this episode, if you're picking up what we're putting down, do me a solid and share it with somebody who you think Alrighty, gonna wrap it up there Until next time, friends Maestro